the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, it, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he pinned me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose, and he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Upset, he must know hand the knee combat. Hey, what in the hell? Finley, no, Finley never comes from underneath the ring. What the hell is he doing down there? And Boogeyman with a right hand and a kick to the midsection. Words are flying everywhere in ringside. So are Irishmen. get it going right here right now this is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to feature episode number 17 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by my tag team partner the one and only jp john Paz. and john today on the show we're welcoming back a man who the last time we had him on was not writing a book but uh, apparently there's one in the works and on its way out to you. 
as the one and only Hornswoggle returns to the two-man power trip of wrestling, which the last time, I don't know if you remember this one, John, we got a little kayfabed by Hornswoggle because about, what, 72 hours later, a couple or a few days later, he went from being on our show all the way over to the first Saudi Arabia show for WWE, and it was uh, quite the uh, quite the catalyst. So you're welcome. I guess we were part of the uh, the the renaissance there. But John Hornswoggle's got a book out here that you're going to tell us all about. And looking forward to hearing this interview today with a uh, former WWE cruiserweight champion. You're right. He did actually work us a little bit, but uh, I, little think, bit. <laughs> I think WWE heard that interview and decided let's book him in Saudi Arabia, a part of that Royal Rumble. I think it was the greatest Royal yeah, Rumble, if I remember correctly, one. a part of that match. Uh, pretty cool to do that and take that long ass flight over there. But nonetheless, very, very cool that he was uh, part of our show, not once, but now twice. And this time, obviously, in a way different realm as we are talking about the book. Life is short and so am I. The autobiography by ECW Press. He talks about the experiences, his thoughts on the book, how tough it was writing the book. When I was talking to him about it, he said it was a three-year process. That means from beginning to end of when the book actually came out, it took three years. So when well, he, he was writing book, it, <laughs> he was writing yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> he de- he definitely was, and he was in the, the grand scheme of it. But I think when you're doing that, you almost and it takes that long, you almost don't even know if it's going to come out. You're like, oh man, three years is this thing ever going to get done? And boom, it actually does end up coming out, and it's a lot of. Uh, different stories there's a lot of things that we don't know about him and a lot of things maybe we do but we want more in-depth answers about and so far so good as far as some positive reviews you see a lot of review copies out there uh, wrestlers such as uh, Nick Aldis and a bunch of other guys have read it and, and absolutely loved it and he said he's been getting some rave reviews so that is unbelievable and this was part of his bucket list he wanted to be in the WB made it happen he wanted to write a book he made it happen so it's pretty damn cool that a guy was able to have a 10-year run and get an autobiography that people are not only interested in but that are people are really excited about. So I just think that it's pretty damn cool to get Swaggle on for the second time. And I think that everyone out there should go out and support him, go on Amazon, wherever books are sold and get life is short. And so am I the autobiography of Hornswoggle. It's tough to not just go right back to that Vince McMahon reveal and him being the illegitimate son of Vince McMahon. It's obviously one of the more, I guess you'd say uh, standout moments of that end of the 2000s into the early 2010s because it was such a uh i don't know such a storyline filled with different uh ins and outs it was supposed to be ken anderson then it wasn't and then it was hornswoggle and then hornswoggle and finley and jbl got all involved in the story so it was a pretty interesting thing so it's hard not to just go right to that when it comes to hornswoggle but if you could i don't know hammer it down if you could pick one uh spot for hornswoggle john what's a hornswoggle memory that stands out for you I feel like there's a couple of them that really stick out. I mean, being Vince McMahon's son is one of those things that just sticks out. It's like, wow, like that's just unbelievable. And the story behind that is unbelievable because, like we say in the interview, he ends up being like that out for them. Like, oh, the Raw GM. Oh, it's Hornswoggle. Vince's son. (laughs) Oh, it's Hornswoggle. Those are some pretty big monumental things and some big storylines that they spend many weeks on. And he ends up being the the guy, you know, at the end, the, the little factoid, the the trivia so it is interesting that that keeps popping up for me personally i just love when he was a little bastard with finley i just thought that was a great pairing i love that finley was getting that push 
And if you think about it for him, that was huge for him to not only get in the WB, be paired with such a legend like Finley, get your name out there, get on TV, and then, boop, have a 10-year run with them after that. Very true. So pick up the book if you can, support Hornswoggle, and continue to check out the two-man power trip of wrestling as we've got a lot of stuff going on in the pipeline, and you'll be seeing it rolled out to you very, very soon. So, John, I'm going to let you wrap it up and get us on over to this chat with uh, the uh, the one and only Hornswoggle. Highly, highly recommend the book. Please get it. Life is short, and so am I, the autobiography of Dylan Pastel, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, a.k.a. Swoggle. feel like you will definitely 100% enjoy this book. You're going to absolutely love it. Nobody has a story quite like him. And you could say that in wrestling business, say, oh, no, similar stories. No, nobody has a story like Hornswoggle. So definitely pick up the book. If you're a huge wrestling fan, if you're a big WB fan, learn all about his 10-year run. If you're a big fan of him personally, learn all about his personal life, all about everything he had to overcome to not only get in the wrestling business, but to succeed in the wrestling business and, quite frankly, succeed in life. So please, one last time, check out Life is Short. And so am I, the autobiography by Dylan Pastel, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, a.k.a. Swoggle. Is a former WWE superstar, also a former WWE a cruiserweight champion. You may know him as the little bastard, Vince McMahon's son. He is Dylan Postal, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, a.k.a. Swoggle. Welcome back to the two-man power trip. How are you? This is, uh, I'm very glad I could be a part of this once again. Yes, good stuff. Having a, a good night so far. And obviously, we're here to talk to you tonight about life is short and so am I, my life in and out of the wrestling book, uh, excuse me, in and out of the wrestling ring, your new book. What are your thoughts and experiences creating this book? Man, it's a three-year process. It was um, since I got, I got released. It's been something I've been working on. Um, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm so glad it's finally here. Um, I'm so glad that uh, my story is getting out there and because I, I feel it's something that not a lot of people uh, know about. Um, there's a lot of things that people don't know about and good, bad, positive, negative, but it's all part of my life. And it's all, as, you know, no pun, it's all an open book. <laughs> you know, it's, mm. just, I, I'm, I let it all out there and kind of just, it was, it was very, very kind of, uh, nice to finally let it all out. Is this one of those things where 
ECW press comes to you and says, Hey, you know, we want you to write a book or it's one of those things where you're kind of seeking it out after your WWE release and saying, Hey, you know, I really want to write this book. So after I got released, um, Ian Douglas reached out to me and uh, said, have you ever wanted to write one? I said, yeah, I, I really have. And I, I was always, to be honest, I was too lazy to do it myself. Hmm. Um, so we, uh, we put in a, a good amount of hours and then put it to ECW press. Um, excuse me. And then we got Ross Owen Williams on board as well. And we put some more hours into it and, we came, we, we finalized this awesome book. What was kind of like the, the toughest part about writing the book? How much, how much time everything takes, <laughs> mm. but that's, that's to be, I mean, in all reality, that's just so it, we can get it as perfect as we can. Um, and just making it as good as we possibly can make it. And I'm, I'm so happy we did take that time. Because it's, yeah, I'm very, very proud of it. Is it one of those things where it's like, man, I don't know why if I want to mention that or if I don't want to talk about certain things, or like you said, is it just completely open book for real? You know, you're really opening yourself up to everything, or is it almost everything that that you want out there? There, uh, there was nothing I really held back on um, in the book. Uh, there is, I, I was open and honest and kind of brutal about a lot of things, you know, with the stuff with my mom in the beginning of the book and my relationship or lack thereof with her um, to WWE relationships and everything in between. It just, I I let it all out there and I wasn't going to hide anything. So what has been the reaction so far to the book? Um, So I did an early release uh, in in Oshkosh here two weeks ago. um, And I've had so many positive, uh, positive things said to me about it. And my biggest thing was I wanted it to sound like me, like you were having a conversation with me. Um, and that's what everyone, everyone has said. It's that's what it is. It sounds like they're just talking to me, you know, over, over dinner, over drinks. And that's what I wanted. It's awesome. When you think about, you know, being able to write a wrestling book and you always see, you know, there's all these legends and uh, this person, that person who has a great story and this person has a great story and they're able to write a book. Do you think to yourself like, wow, you know, I've come such a long way. Not only did I make it to WWE and had a 10 year run in WWE and, and, and things like that and make it into the wrestling business. But you also think almost a little bit advanced past that. It's like, wow, you know, I got a book and a lot of people are really interested in my book and my life story. That's the crazy part is I, I I keep checking things off my bucket list that I didn't even know were on it, hmm. and this was one of them. I would have never thought I would write a book like I was always just a pipe dream, and now it's here and and it's a really cool feeling. Pardon me, it's a really cool feeling um, to be able to to be able to have that accomplishment under my belt and. It's just, it's crazy. Not like all, all, everything, everything that I've done in my career has been so nuts that I've gotten a chance after chance to do these things. It's awesome to kind of sit back and look at the things you've done. And obviously anybody with a 10-year WB run is pretty 
amazing. It's pretty hard to be in WWE for, for that long and be on TV for that long and have a run. Is that one of the things that you really kind of you know, wanted to make it known and make it the, the biggest part of your story, biggest part of your story, so to speak? Um, you know, obviously with my, you know, with my, my fan base, it is because of WWE and because of pro wrestling. So that is a large chunk of the book. But I would say it's far from just a wrestling book. That's for sure. Now, obviously, with your story, and you're just in love with wrestling, the way you were born, to the you know the condition you had, the dwarfism stuff. Is it hard to go back and kind of relive some of the stuff that you had to go through? Because obviously, you know, tough upbringing, and and to to be where you are today is pretty amazing. And do the things you did were pretty amazing. Is it kind of hard to go back and go over that stuff and kind of relive it? Um, the stuff with my mom, not so much because I'm 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 over it. It's been twenty over twenty years since her and I had any kind of relationship. So that's kind of you know, I, I was I was so young when she kind of got out of my life, um, so that was that wasn't nearly as hard as what people might think. But so with my grandpa like passing away, uh, that was that was really that was tough to relive again, and uh, that was rough. And then like surprisingly, describing how the day of my release happened was tougher than I thought it would be. Um, It's, I don't know why, and I don't know why, because I'm so happy now. I'm so, and I was then, obviously, but I'm so happy with, you know, being on the independence, but it's almost like reliving that day again was of the question of what do I do now was very, very emotional for me. I could see that definitely being uh, highly, highly emotional. Were you shocked uh, by your release by WWE? No, I was sitting home for a year, a year and a half, um, not doing anything. Uh, I was there, like, like you said, I was there for two weeks under 10 years. And when I was told in the beginning it was going to be a six-month run, hmm. I can't – I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. Now, you said it was kind of hard to, to relive it again. Why was that? You said you kind of expected it. So how, how come it was so hard to kind of relive it in, in the book? I don't know. I I think it just brought up the thought of, you know, the thoughts of that day and, and the thoughts of the scary, uh, scary feeling of what do I do now and to provide for my son and to, to just – for life, what do I do? Um, is this is this it? Is it time for that that scary real job? Um, hmm. It's just it was it was very weird to relive. I didn't think it would affect me like it did. Now, obviously, when you you get released, you said the book was a three year process, but did it come to you almost immediately as far as wanting to write the book and after the release? Yeah, it was it was two weeks, two weeks after my release, maybe, and uh, and Ian Douglas reached out to me. Right. So, at that point, were you actually thinking like, this is going to be successful, not successful? Let's just take a shot in the dark. Or you knew that people were interested in the story outside of just you know what you did in WWE. 
Well, to be honest, it was kind of selfish. I just wanted to be able to say at that point that I wrote a book. <laughs> hey, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, I just wanted to, to finally do it. I, I wanted to for, you know, forever. I wanted to be in, but to say I did, that's another thing. As far as, you know, obviously getting into WWE and, and that part might be the toughest thing. Like, obviously, staying there 10 years is a huge accomplishment, but how did you actually get signed and get in and kind of break that wall down and get into WWE? Um, Ken Kennedy, Ken Anderson, uh, the guy who trained me in Green Bay in 2004, 2003. And um, he was working for WWE at the time, and they were looking for a guy like me um, for fit, Finley. And then he uh, he put his name out there for me. And it just, I, I owe him legitimately 90% of my career from training me to on the Indies to getting me in my foot in the door in WWE and everything in between. I, I owe him a lot. And then I, I had my, uh, my tryout and it was off to the races. Now, when all that stuff happens, when do you actually kind of meet Vince or, or does that take a while to meet him? Is, is there, you know, like a, a guard up basically saying, you know, not so to speak physically, but maybe people just like, all right, let's not mess with Vince. I'm, you know, I'm a rookie here. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, initially it's only going to be six months. Let's not try to, you know, rough the waters or anything. So like, or, you know, basically when do you actually end up meeting Vince or is that a hard thing to get to be able to do? Uh, I met him when when we the day of TV when we were going to uh, when we were doing rehearsals for my uh, what was going to be my debut and that was the first time I officially met him and it was very intimidating. <laughs> it was here. He's a very intimidating guy. Is he? friendly when you get to know him is he really intimidating is he a tough boss because you always hear these stories and you never know who to believe what to believe and if people are just kind of building him up to be a cartoon character he's a boss like i, I always say he's, he's just a boss if you, if you do what's asked of you like any boss you're gonna have a great relationship with him and do you think with finley do you think that was an initial because I think it's just to look at you guys like you end up being great chemistry, great pairing. Obviously you start off as a little bastard. Did you like that? Did you think like, this is great for me. This is good chemistry. You're just thinking, Oh God, I'm just happy to kind of break down the door here and be even in WWE. So my first day, I, uh, I had a couple hiccups and mess ups in in the rehearsal (laughs) for my debut. So I, I thought it was going to be over before it started essentially. Um, but it, it, I pulled it together and it went well. And then we uh, we filmed SmackDown that night, and everything went off without a hitch. And it was great. I I just felt so accomplished at that point. Like we finally, I, it was just crazy to me that I finally was appearing in a main slot on WWE. Very, very cool. It was a very cool and different gimmick at the time, and doing that with Fit Finley was obviously very cool. What was the relationship like with him and the chemistry with him? He, him and I always, from the the literal start, him and I, he and I always had fun together, always joking around, always laughing. He was, I called him dad. I text him on Father's Day to this day. Happy Father's Day. Um, 
Wow. He was he was my wrestling dad, and I still feel that way. And what does he say back to you? I mean, is he really appreciative? Does he really, you know, kind of have that bond with you as well? Yeah, he he looks at he always looked at me like one of his kids. <laughs> that is awesome, Finley. I mean, arguably one one of the most underrated, like just great workers, great wrestlers, great minds for the wrestling business. Yeah, and it, he. He was the leader for the, you know, the, the the lead producer for the for the divas since two thousand two thousand one I believe and just man he's been I I will say he's the reason that it went from broad panty matches to what you see on TV today. He's definitely played a huge role into them becoming not from divas to the women's division, obviously taking them more seriously yeah. and, and, and being more wrestlers. Did he teach you a lot as well, as far as some in-ring stuff, what to do, little secrets, little tricks of the trade? Uh, not as much as I probably should have learned, but I would always, I mean, I, I was front row for all of his matches. So just seeing him do what he does was always awesome for me. Very, very cool. And obviously, eventually, you help Finn win the U.S. title. They change your name to Hornswoggle. Whenever they do like the name changes or create names, I'm always just curious of like where it comes from. Does it come from the writing staff? Does it come from the wrestlers itself? When they decide to make you Hornswoggle, obviously, first, a little bastard, but when they decide to make you Hornswoggle, is that their call and them just naming you, or do you have any input at all? They walked up to me that day, and they said, Fit, you're going to tell Mike and Cole that you're now Hornswoggle. I said, great. And that was it. That was literally it. <laughs> pretty simple. Pretty uh, pretty simple and effective there. Yeah. And I'm assuming it was them realizing that they can't market Little Bastard on toys. Mm, yes. True. Yeah. And do you have any say as far as things going on in your character at this point or is it all like you said like Michael Cole says you know you get some message from somebody and you're just doing as you're told and you're just rolling along with it I was so new to it at that point I just wanted to be on be in that role and do whatever I, I could um, I was happy I was happy with anything given uh, coming off from under the ring jumping on a guy and going back under you know, that five-second thing I was elated about. So cool if you think about it back then. Like You didn't really have that kind of entertainment value as far as, okay, the guy's going to come out from under the ring. Who is this guy? What is he doing? It was so different and, and so cool. And I just think, like, man, like just little things like that just kind of pique your interest because you're like, that was different, right? I mean, they're like, okay, this is something kind of kind of cool and something different. It was. It's almost like how uh, Bray, you know, they're doing with the Fiend right now, where you never know when he's gonna pop up. Yeah. Great point. Such a cool character. Do you still stay current with the current WWE? Yeah, I uh, I watch it every week. Oh, nice. Watch it with your son, or or this I is do. Just something. You... Okay. Uh, he big big fan. He's in the other room watching Raw as we speak. Oh, nice. Are you still kind of into it, or is it one of those things where he's watching it, so you're into it? I've been a wrestling fan all my life, and I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon. Um, I, I think to not watch it is, I don't know. I just think it's, 
it's trying to be in a bubble. I think it's you, you got it. You got to watch. That's this is the product. This is what's on TV. This is where you should want to be. And to not see what you should, you know, to not to not be watching and keeping up with that, I think is just I don't know. I don't I don't agree with it. Do you keep up with the ratings and things like that, or you're not really in, in tune with that? Just kind of the no, TV. no, just the just the product overall. Because ratings are down, and obviously AEW coming, I think, will kind of elevate, like they say, you know, rising tide rises all ships. I think that's going to kind of bring WWE's game up. Is that something you're interested in? And your son's obviously going to be interested in. It's almost going to be like the Monday Night Wars, but now it's going to be the Wednesday Night Wars. Yeah, with that news today about NXT. Yeah. On Wednesdays. This next year or two in wrestling is going to be interesting, to say the least. It's going to be crazy. Um, Just just to see what happens from here. It's going to be it's going to be a, a really fun time in wrestling and interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. I feel like uh WB is definitely going to be changing some things up. Obviously they bring in Heyman and Bischoff for a reason. They're as executive directors are trying to change some things up and and obviously they they recognize what's going on with AEW. Is it one of those things where you kind of see what's going on in AEW, you want to get involved? Not necessarily AEW, but it's like, yeah, you, oh, I got to want to get back on TV. Does that kind of, you know, even get your juices flowing as far as wrestling? I'm having fun no matter what I do, legitimately, whether it's, uh, you know, showing up at the Greatest Royal Rumble or mm-hmm. yep. the Royal Rumble or wrestling in, you know, Podunk, Kentucky. Uh, I'm I'm loving what I'm doing. So I'm up for anything, absolutely anything. And that was pretty cool that, you, you know, total surprise appearance, Greatest Royal Rumble, obviously, and you're going all the way out there for it. Was that one of those things where they literally told you way in advance that you're going to be a part of it or, or almost shocking you and saying, oh, get ready, you know, next week, get ready? I think for Greatest Royal Rumble, I maybe knew three weeks out. Um Maybe two weeks, I forget, but the the Royal Rumble, the you know my stuff that I did in the Women's Royal Rumble last year, mm-hmm. I knew yep. I knew that Monday. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy how 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 quickly I found out, or how short notice I found out. Do they tell you like you know got to keep it a secret? Do you you know make sure you just be quiet about it, or they don't even say anything like that? I don't even remember, but I know I didn't want to tell anybody because I don't. I, I always think, what if it doesn't happen? Then I'm, you know, getting pumps up. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you got to look at it from that that point of view. Yeah, it's true. Now with the the Greatest Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble, making surprise appearances, are you always shocked when they give you a call, expecting a call? You know, like, how does that kind of work for you mentally? It's uh, man, those were so surprising to me. Um, I was not expecting them the least bit, and it's just crazy to me how uh, how I'm still in the mindset or the, mm-hmm. the minds of 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 them at times. Um, for that, I'm very very blessed and thankful that I am. It is kind of cool because if you know you're surprised by it, obviously the fans are surprised by it too. So it's it gets, it's really cool for the fans because it's just like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And whenever yep. there's a curveball or a surprise, 
always good for the fans. It's uh, – I'm just grateful that I can still do those things, and that's why I've never – I mean, even in the book, you know, going back to the book, I, I don't say anything negative about the, the company because, let's be honest, they gave – they gave a kid from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, ten years to live. You know, of living a dream. I can't say much much negative about that. No, definitely not. But you know, speaking of the book, I did want to mention this. You do say something somewhat negative about Madison Square Garden. I was surprised to hear this. Oh, you don't... man, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the How worst. is that possible? Oh my God. It's a wrestling like mecca, and I get that. But once you do it a couple times, like this, this is awful. You it's expensive parking. You have to, you know, driving into the city is never easy. And then all the, like you're you have to walk all through all the fans every time. It's just it's a mess. It's a mess. I'm a small town kid, so being in you know having to go right in the heart of New York City is uh isn't fun for me. I was going to say, Oshkosh, Wisconsin to uh, New York City can't get pretty much any more different than that, right? Exactly. That's, uh, it's, it's, you know, a small town boy in a big city and it doesn't mix well. I got to say, I mean, maybe disagree about the MSG part, but to getting to MSG part in New York City and the traffic and everything <sighs> else, I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, it's it's just absolutely terrible. Five five miles should take five minutes or less, not possibly ten, maybe an hour. It doesn't make sense. It's insane because where I work is like fifteen miles or so from the city. I'm in New Jersey, but traveling into the city, so you got to go through yeah. the tunnel. Oh yeah. my God! You're like, wait a second, two hours? Like what? It's fifteen miles away. It should take me fifteen minutes. I always, I mean, I, I always kind of yell at Hawkins whenever I have to go out there. Um, Kurt Hawkins, he, mm-hmm. he lived out there his whole life. I yell at him every time I have to go out there, like, how do you plan stuff? Like, you literally have to just cancel the whole day. You can't really plan times for things. Either you're getting there extremely early or late. Yeah, that that's so true. It's, or you have to almost say, oh, I'll be there by 10, and you leave at like 7 in the morning or something because yeah. you know you got to give yourself enough wiggle room to get there. And then and then you're you're sitting there for an hour early if you know if you didn't hit traffic. Yeah, it's it is a pain in the ass. And hey, maybe that's why they rarely run MSG anymore. I mean, I'm sure it has to do with money and stuff too. But hey, maybe everyone's complaining like you were saying. Hey, this is a pain in the ass. No, I, I think it's I think it's them just wanting to 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 spread out the schedule a bit. Run a little Brooklyn, run a little Toronto. You know, yeah, change it up a little bit. Now, you know, getting back to the book, and obviously the book is Life is Short and So Am I, ECW Press, what are your kind of expectations of, num- not, not numbers per se exactly, but what are the kind of expectations going forward of like, okay, this is going to be a number one seller, this is going to do this, this is going to do that, I'm going to book tour here and there. Like, what's the kind of the big expectations for you as far as people wanting and loving the book? I have none. Legitimately, I have none. Um, I'm already blown away by the amount of positive feedback I've gotten already. And it's just, it's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy to me um, that A, people are interested in my story and B, people are enjoying reading through my story. Um, 
But, so yeah, I have I have nothing. I have no expectations at all with any of it. That means it could only be up then from there. It could only be good good news. You can't you can't be let down if you keep your uh, your your uh, mindset low. Very very true. And as we start to head towards the wind down, hit the uh, the wind down button. There's so many things in your career that just kind of stick out. Like we talked about coming out from under the ring, being a little bastard with Fit Finley. You pen Jamie Noble. You win the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, you literally being Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. What's kind of you know like a, a high point for you as far as WWE? I know there's a lot of high points, but was there something that stuck out to you more than others? That's maybe like a favorite moment. Oh, we all see. I'll never in my life do something better than that match. Um, never ever. It was just incredible from start to finish, and I think we surprised everyone with it. Um, it's just it's, that's uh, it's so cliche to say, but it's a night I'll never forget. I was there. Extreme Rules. Arguably, this is crazy because Daniel Bryan is in the main event on this card, and obviously the Evolution and um, uh, the Shield and all these guys are on the card. But that arguably, and, I, and I'm going to say it, was the best match of the night, and a lot of people agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> You versus El Torito match of the night. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's. I think it has a lot to do with people didn't. People didn't know what to expect, and they were expecting this this kind of ha ha, you know, a midget and a bull. Uh, you know, in this this TLC match, they didn't. They thought it was going to be very jokey and stuff, and we just destroyed each other. Man, when I was there live, I was thinking exact same thing. It's like, okay, this is going to be a comedy match. There, you know, is anybody going to take this thing seriously? And man, it, it just blew me away. I'm like, oh my god! It's like, wow, that's kind of a. Uh, it's going to be hard to follow. Uh, and, and like these guys took it so seriously, they killed each other. They they really went all out. And and you don't even think of like you said, like the midget, the bull. Oh, you, you don't even think about stuff like that. You just think, man, like that was one hell of a damn match. Drew McIntyre just randomly did a flip over the top rope through a table for pretty much no reason in that match. And it's just like, okay, that shows how much everyone in that match wanted to do anything they could to make it the best thing possible. Going into it, like we were talking about the book having expectations, going into that match, did you have any? Or were you kind of like, you know, maybe a little chip on your shoulder saying, man, this is going to be way better than anybody thinks. I wanted to be able to walk through the curtain almost with, you know, double birds and thinking like, see, <laughs> I told you guys I could do this. And what happened when you went through the curtains? My first ever standing ovation. It was, wow. uh, it was magical. That's wow. I, I always talk about how I, I didn't get on my ge- out of my gear for like two hours because I didn't want that feeling to end. That is uh, awesome and a kind of a great reaction and Obviously, the crowd was reacting the same way the wrestlers in the back were reacting. That was probably the coolest thing. Is uh, one of the, one of the other cool things that night of just all my peers, uh, you know, smiling ear to ear and meeting us, you know, back in the through the back of the curtain and just saying how how, how well we did, complimenting us. <clears throat> 
man, it's just, it's just I remember thinking back, like, wow, like no expectation of the match, such a great match, and it might have been better than the main event, might have been better than the match they promoted the most, the, the six-man. So it, it's really saying a lot, and it's kind of like, I hope I'm not overstating it, but anybody out there, highly suggest Find Extreme Rules. I believe it's 2014. Yep. And, man, in New Jersey, obviously watch that match. You will be pleasantly surprised. And you might have the same reaction as us, match of the night. I hope so, because <laughs> I, I sure feel that way. Now, as far as some other things you cover in the book, obviously, you know, you talk about uh, DX and Triple H and Shawn Michaels and dealing with that whole feud and kind of almost being surprised a little bit, maybe intimidated a little bit. Is it one of those things where, depending on who you were working with, you were kind of more comfortable, maybe a little bit more intimidated by working with guys like DX? Yeah. You know, Hunter at that, Hunter already at that time was in a very, very high profile role in the company. Um, so I, I never wanted to mess up around him and just him and Sean together. You know, they are such legends in wrestling. I never want, I, I would never want to mess up, mess anything up when it comes to working with them. So many cool things that I, I didn't even mention being, you know, Vince's illegitimate son, you feud with Vince a little bit, then you become Finley's son. You know, there's so many different things. That Chavo Guerrero feud, which was highly, highly entertaining. And then being revealed as the Raw general manager. It always seemed like they had a place for you. And whether it was surprise, or whether it was something cool, or whether it was a feud, it always felt like they had a place for you on the card. It, it I, you know, it was kind of, kind of a joke after a while of, um, we have to end this story who can it be? Oh, why not Hornswoggle? <laughs> like a, like a, like a, some kind of Simpsons gag. Yeah. It literally, a lot of the times it ended up being like the Royal Junior Manager, Hornswoggle. It's a son, Hornswoggle. I, I never want, I never will complain about it because it got me on TV. That's for sure. Yeah. And it got you on TV a, a lot. And that is kind of funny. It's like, okay, we need a Vince's illegitimate son. Yep. It's not, you know, it's not going to be Ken Kennedy. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be Hornswoggle, the raw general manager. Are those things they tell you about in advance as far as like, okay, you're going to be revealed? No, or this I'm, is literally like right dead in there like, well, we need somebody. Um, you're it. Vince's son, I knew at 3 o'clock that day. I went from not doing anything on the show to being revealed in this insane storyline. That is crazy. It's almost uh, not enough uh, notice, unless they don't want you to kind of... Uh, Bruce, Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard uh, took my phone that day and said, hey, I need your phone. I said, uh, for what? And he told me why, and that was... Uh, he goes, we don't want this getting out to anyone. So we want to take all the precautions we can. That is pretty damn cool. Yeah. You don't want anything like that, obviously, getting out and being released. Is there any other kind of, obviously, without getting into too many, too much detail, but is there any other, like, revealing story that the people will be really interested to see or to read in the book? Um, I think there's a good amount of them. Uh, from my first day, you know, my first day on the job at, at rehearsal and almost almost messing it up before I even debuted. 
um, to my my first riding uh, car of myself, the great Kali Davari and Mark Henry. Um, there's I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that people are going to be very very interested in and hearing the ins and outs of. That is awesome. And what was your absolute like kind of favorite part of writing this book? And finally, obviously besides finishing it, but you know, getting up here, what's been the, the absolute favorite part of this book and this experience? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think maybe talking about how, how much Landon, my son has, has really changed me as well. Um, and how much of an awesome part he is in my life. Um, again, that's something I'm sure that not a lot of people know about me. Um, they, you know, some of them may know I have a son, but not not just how awesome our relationship is. So that was always that was very very fun to talk about. And there's so much in this book. One more time, I'll say, life is short, and so am I. My life in and out of the wrestling, in and out of the wrestling ring, of course, by Hornswoggle himself. ECW Press, definitely check that out. Now, as far as plugs and where everyone can find the book, please let everybody know, you know, where they can find it and, and how they can get it. You can go on Amazon right now and pre-order it. It releases on September 10th. Um, on there as well as comes out September 10th at Barnes and Nobles and bookstores nationwide. And otherwise you can go to the ECW press website and get it on there as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WWE Hornswoggle. Um, yeah, just uh, check out this book and just know that uh, go into it knowing how proud of it I am and, and hopefully everyone that does pick it up enjoys it as much as I enjoyed the final product. And please just give us one last tease for the book. Why, you know, why does everybody want to read this book? Why should everybody go out of their way to get this book on September 10th and go to Amazon and check it out? Um, I think for the simple fact of there's going to be so many things that you don't know about Hornswoggle and Dylan and the inner workings of WWE and maybe wondered about it. And if you didn't wonder about it, you'll go, oh, I didn't even think about that. I even had, okay. And you'll find it interesting by, by the stories I've told in it. Right. Awesome, awesome stuff. And one, one last time, ECW Press, Life is Short and So Am I, My Life in and Out of the Wrestling Ring by Dylan Hornswoggle Postel. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us again. And I got to encourage everyone, if you haven't seen it, Extreme Rules 2014, WLC, got to see that match either before or after you read the book. Thank you very much, man. This podcast was a presentation of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire.